Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Mitch and I'm Greg and this is Side Note, a podcast where every episode we chat about life and what's stumping us right now. And then we research and splice in all the science and mind-blowing shiznit throughout so you are entertained while simultaneously learning. Today we are talking about therapy. To start, I'm going to talk about how I had a panic attack seeing my therapist in public. Then we're going to take you on a historical journey into the past horrors of psychiatry and end with a debate about whether or not we feel therapy is actually effective. Today's side notes will be presented by myself, Greg, and our producer, Rachel. Hey guys, let's get it started. Okay. Hi. Hello. <laughs> How you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm a little hungover because we had a YouTube event last night. Oh, I'm not because I wasn't really drinking because I was like, you know, trying to take it easy, trying to take care of my mental health. Hello, that's Segway. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's true. Today we are talking about therapy, something yeah. that we both partake in. And I, I mean, you more so than me. Yes. Like you kind of got me on the train. <laughs> what? What? Why? Why did you start doing therapy in the first place? Honestly, I, uh, yeah, the thing about why I actually started, I'm not so clear about. It was definitely like work, like our relationship working together. It was something that I remember a time I feeling really sad. It was I remember thinking about death one to me like really just like i don't know what i'm doing with my life kind of like when i die i don't know what it is that i'm supposed to be okay like, with what age was this that this sorry this was only like this was what three and a half years ago and i remember also thinking it's like a money thing i remember thinking like because we've like made a bunch of money someone like suggested therapy and it was like okay feeling i could afford it honestly mm-hmm. honestly it was like okay this Had is you... now an option now like a hundred bucks an hour that's a lot of money and so that's one of the yeah. reasons i went but I remember, okay, I had a weird experience about my first time that I went and did therapy. And it was because I, it's scary. Like, you've done it your first time. Like, walking. Yeah, it's so awkward. It's so, like, sitting in the waiting room. You're like, oh my God. And there's just like psychology like, today. Who's it going to be? Who's it going to be? We're just going to talk about me? Like, I don't know. It's so weird. And you, it, and it, it, I remember the stigma hit me. I'm like, I'm, I am here because I'm sick and I need help. Really? Did you actually when think I was in the waiting room? There? I did. Like when I was in the waiting room, I was across from someone. I'm like, okay, you're probably having a big issue too. I don't know. It just made me feel like, okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. But I guess I had a bit of apprehension about whether or not I needed to be there. Anyways, it's scary for anyone who is doing that. The first time you're in the waiting room, the first time you go is really scary. And I remember, like, I chose a girl. I remember thinking I need looking research i'm like i want it to yeah be i don't think i would ever even even a gay man i don't know that i feel comfortable with i feel like i mean if it was a man i think yeah. it had to be a gay man i don't know for me it's like not even a man i think it's, it's for just so, yeah. a woman in my life people i've been able to be like vulnerable and open and who mm-hmm. i've really taken advice from are women yeah same mitch and i are not alone in seeking out a female therapist Studies have found that women overwhelmingly seek out female therapists, whereas on average men express no preference. But those men who did have a preference, it was for a female therapist. 
A Finnish study of substance abuse clients found that clients preferred female therapists because they had a more positive attitude towards them. Another study that examined therapist gender, client gender, and client sexual orientation found female psychologists held more positive attitudes and treatment expectations for queer clients than male psychologists. This is interesting as Mitch and I are both queer and adamantly have leaned towards female therapists. The preference for women may also be related to availability. Psychotherapy was once a profession dominated by men, and now the opposite is true. Today, men earn only one in five of all master degrees in psychology and make up less than 10% of social workers. This does not mean that a male therapist might not be right for you. Finding the right therapist can come down to a lot of different factors, including type of therapy they provide, and if their personality works well with your own. But it is interesting to note that this is a field of research, study, and practice that is becoming more female. Dear woman, the second I saw her, I was like, this gonna be good. Like she just looked like she looked like my, my older sister. I mean, she was young. She was like Oh, she's that young? She was like I was probably twenty seven. No, I have a different therapist uh, okay. now. I was probably twenty six, twenty seven, and she was probably thirty, thirty one. Oh. And she that's why also she was inexpensive. She was I think eighty dollars an hour because she was new. Okay. And she was just like as, the second I saw her, I was like, if you were my barista, I'd be like, How's your day? Like I just like <laughs> love her, just such good vibes. Okay. And whatever. Cool. And so it was so scary. Like, you know, she talks about you. Immediately she got to like something I'd never thought about about myself. I thought it was like really interesting, but left kind of scared. And she just was etched in my memory as someone who I'm like, oh my God, like I made eye contact with her for 30 seconds. Like it was just like a, such an intimate experience. Yeah, because also for you, eye contact has always been, or like, like that. She, kn- she knew that in two seconds. Right? I like sat down like in silence, like panicking, like so red. And like, she was looking at me with her eyes and she wasn't saying anything. And I was like, oh, you can't hold eye contact. And I was just like, what? And immediately was like, what? And she knew a lot uh, within seconds like she was like understand bits or or i don't know (laughs) like yeah she got to me very quickly leave like biking home like i'm not listening to headphones but i can like hear music i'm like that was the most like emotional deep (laughs) thing i mean i don't know i just felt like (laughs) so like it freaked me out like i just i felt good but also so scared like this woman has all of a sudden become like one person in my life who like knows stuff about me then i go to like a soccer practice, which is what? also so random. What I know. soccer practice? You're making this <laughs> no, story up. No, my friend Marley, who's like a jock, she was like, we're going to go to the park and like play soccer practice. And I was like, okay, because they were on a team. I'm like, yeah, I'll do that Wait, to see okay, you. But if you're just like playing casually one time with someone, that's not soccer practice. It, no, they're a team. Listen, <laughs> what? why are you? Oh my God, you're so. Because oh you're just like, you're like on the podcast, like I went to my soccer practice. Like I, you've never said those words to me ever in your life. I, okay, that's part of the story because it was <laughs> okay. Weird. Okay. okay. So they're a soccer team. And the way I got to hang out with Marley, because she is a jock and also like crazy, was like, okay, I'll come to your soccer practice. So I go to this soccer practice with these people I don't really know that well. We kick the Okay, you're right. Okay. I literally did this once. We kick the ball around, whatever. And they're like, okay, great practice. Like nice striking and kicking and stomping. Let's go get beers. I'm like, okay, I guess that's what they do. So we all go get beers. Me and Marley and a bunch of people I don't know. We sit down at this bar. And then all of a sudden, the waitress comes up and she's like, may I take your orders? And it's my therapist, mm. who, I've, who I've met once, no. who's like, and she looks at me in the oh. eyes and I look at her in the eyes and I'm like, <gasps> you only knew her one time. After one session, also one meaningful session that like, exactly. So I'm, I'm like, pan- I'm immediately turning purple. Marley looks at me and she's like, okay, it's so weird. Cause like, you're having like a panic attack <laughs> and you're already turning red and you haven't even drank anything. I'm like fumbling over my words. She just like smiles takes everyone's order gives me this kind of look or i don't even know i think it might have been in my head walks away and also there's all these people i don't 
know and I panic because I'm just pan- I'm just like guys yeah that was my therapist oh, you told them yeah I just was like I went to therapist once then they were all just like oh okay Greg like cool and then she'd like, <laughs> like every time she'd bring okay. the drinks like they'd, everyone would stop talking and I'd be like <laughs> oh my god that probably made it so much worse that you even told them I know them. but that's like me in a nutshell I'm like okay I can't I'm having such can't a just, panic like, sit attack there in your own yeah like some people might have been able to be like play it cool but like I was like they're gonna be like why is this guy sweating he was right. so chill and like normal like 10 seconds ago now he like can't speak I hate that I blush. It has been a hindrance my whole entire life. I cannot get away with lying. (laughs) I get embarrassed so easily and then like, bam, my face turns red instantly. But why? Blushing is an uncontrollable reflex caused by the sympathetic nervous system. The part of your nervous system which activates your fight or flight response. This causes a release of adrenaline, which dilates your blood vessels to improve blood flow and oxygen delivery throughout your body. Interestingly, veins generally don't respond to adrenaline, but the ones in your face do. Also, blushing is entirely exclusive to humans. No other animals blush. Scientists are still unsure why. Even Charles Darwin himself commented that blushing is the most peculiar and most human of all expressions. But there are some scientific theories into why we blush. The main theory suggests that blushing evolved as a means to show regret or remorse within the social codes of human society. By blushing, we're showing others we recognize that we misstep socially, and in many ways, it acts as a non-verbal physical apology for our mistake we just made. Several studies have found that people who blush after a social mishap are more favorable to onlookers. Maybe that is the case from a scientific perspective, but it's nice to know that it comes off as endearing because it feels more like my face is on fire, and a lot of the time it causes people to go, well, why is your face so red? And that doesn't feel that human, Mr. Darwin. So what are your sto- like? Because you would never, you don't tell me much about uh, therapy. Like, what stories do you? I don't know have? if that's true. I feel like I tell you more than you tell me. Oh my! Okay, God. but to be okay, let's to clarify things for people listening. Like, I didn't like you went to therapy before, before I did and for like you, two and, and you've like years before, you know yeah. you've always told me you should go, you should go because we have like a pretty high stress job. We work together. We're in a relationship. And together. I've seen we, the benefits. Like I've changed so much in my yeah, life. and I think yeah. even though my sister is a psychotherapist and has a therapy practice, um, I still had maybe it was that stigma or maybe I just didn't feel like I needed it even. I had to change my perspective to be like, you know what, you don't, it's kind of like working out. It's like you can go somewhere and practice and make your brain and mentality stronger. It doesn't just have to be because you feel broken to go to a therapist. Even if I was broken, it was just like the mentality I had to have. But like, to what get would you there. say when you got there? Like, how'd you explain it to them? Why I was there? Yeah. Like, if you were kind of well, like, well, I don't sure. know. You see, now I'm, this always happens to me, okay? Like, I went, the th- first therapist I went to on my own, like, I did. I tried to do so much research. Like oh I looked God, them up yeah. online. This is classic me. Like even when I'm buying a product, like I'm Mitch like, will do I'm so research much research for like a month. Mitch did so much research. Okay, on his new computer, we need to get new computers for work. I get one from Staples. <laughs> the, the like the staple computer, kind of cheap, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> it's it's doing great. Love it. Mitch builds his own. Does so much research. Blah, 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 gets this computer and it's like not functioning right now. It's no, like breaking. It is now. There yes, there's been but some I'm glitches. Just, <laughs> okay, it's you and it, like you looked for therapists for days. I, I just so chose I looked. Like, her forever like I do with other things and then when I got there I don't know how this didn't come across but then I started realizing like I'm pretty sure she's a therapist for like 
teens. And <laughs> like, and I feel like she slowly kind of like what? let me know that she mostly works with like young you didn't, people. You did so much research and ended up I going to a ch- like a child. Because there's not like a proper database to like really know about a therapist. And so I was just like, thought I was doing research. But when I got there, then yeah, I just felt <laughs> When you like, showed up, was she like, so how is grade nine? I know, and I was like, um... I'm uh like that's a long time ago. Are we just like going into my past? So yeah, I found that sort of <laughs> uncomfortable and awkward. And then I had. Did this... you say like I'm for teens and well, you should know that because you're 20? No, like she was definitely like I can definitely work. It, w- I, it was in our first session that she said, you know, a lot of times I work with like teens that are having like struggling through those kinds of problems. But I mean, she was kind of probably my age, if not a little bit older as well, which I liked though. I think I chose her because she was young. Like when I came across a lot of other therapists, how young was she? A teenager? No, <laughs> yeah, no, she was 19. No, she was probably early 30s. But it just made me feel better to have someone who probably could relate to my problems. Imagine you were so like you did so much research. You go and you like pour your soul out they're like um sorry i'm a lawyer i don't know you're in yeah, the wrong I'm office like, no. oh my <laughs> god something like that that would happen yeah. to me too like, yeah you'd be like wait what, wait, what? And they're like that was five hundred dollars an hour yeah. <laughs> a little more expensive yeah. it took me a while to sort of realize that just because someone's your age it doesn't mean they're the best person to help you figure out stuff i think in my mind i thought you oh know, she's if I, young she's not if an I have older like person a six-year-old therapist yeah. not to be idiot, but i was just like they might not understand they're probably wise yeah. they might not like oh, even yeah. understand that like i do youtube and what is that whereas someone my age might but i think from the there, I, I, you know, I decided to try somebody else, and I liked her a lot. That was my hardest thing. I was just like, I like her. I get along with her, but maybe I'm slowly realizing it's well, not. Well, people working. say that you really should shop around therapists and be okay with that. I, and therapists aren't like that's what I mean. You probably that's probably something you need to work on, Larry. Maybe you were trying yeah. too hard to accommodate her, but it's like actually, as they're all therapists know, the right thing to do is shop around. Her only advice would be if you're feeling that way, please find someone else because that is actually how therapists know they can only work with clients who work for them, and it's up to the client to make that decision. From yeah. what I it's understand. just hard though because you think that they would have a like it's hard as the client to know what decision is right for you because even my therapist like when things have been going okay it is interesting because I think that she's really good because she'll say to me she'll be like Greg I mean things are good like we're not doing as much work in these sessions you should maybe stop for like Mm-hmm. three months that's like she loses her money but that right. makes me respect that's the best it. sign though yeah if someone yeah. says that like obviously that's a yeah. good sign for you but then you're also like I have a good trust with you because exactly. now I feel like you're not just exploiting me to make money and it's funny she's like three months three months later I'm like oh my god hi. <laughs> like she's like you'll be back like because right. everyone yeah. that's yeah, life you want to continually yeah. improve but you're right sometimes if you're in a good place it's hard to go in and just be like it's awkward you I... go in you're like oh my god I had a really cute week <laughs> like I guess we could bring up my parents again but like I'm feeling like you know what I mean like it's yeah. like you don't get as much out of it they know too it's like awkward probably for them like that was a lot of money so up next i'm going to take you on a deep dive into the dark history of the dangerous horrifying practices around psychiatry it is so whack what we used to do side note is a newer podcast so what we would ask you to do right now for us is to tell your friends about it tell your parents about it tell your enemies about it your frenemies strangers on the street just side note podcast it's a really good one you should subscribe just you know that would be very helpful for us something you could do directly is to rate it on apple itunes it's really important to leave a review that also helps with their algorithm apparently as youtubers and podcasters it's weird how much of our livelihood relies on algorithms and ai but i mean i think that's another episode in the making thank you so much and we'll go back to the show 
Today, most mental illness is treated with a combination of psychiatric medication and talk therapy. But it wasn't always this way. And psychiatry's dark history may be why some find therapy to be weird, scary, or not even worth their time. Here is a timeline of the horrors of human psychiatry. In the 9th century, the Middle East is likely where psychotherapy was first developed, because in the West at the time, serious mental disorders were generally treated as demonic or medical conditions requiring punishment and confinement. Let's start with our good friend Freud. In 1884, Freud published a paper that year called Uber Coca, where he describes the most gorgeous excitement and exhilaration and lasting euphoria when he ingested cocaine. And he described his ability to fight depression and indigestion problems. I'm the Freud, and I say nose candy for all. Oh my gosh, that went straight to British. Oh God. Fast forward to 1907, when psychiatrist Henry Andrews Cotton had the strong belief that all mental illness was the result of untreated infections. He practiced what he referred to as surgical bacteriology, which included the removal of some or all of a patient's teeth, tonsils, spleen, colon, ovaries, or other organs. As one could expect, mortality rates from these practices were high and cure rates uh, were low. Next up, we've got the lobotomy in the 1930s. A lobotomy is when you drilled a hole in the skull of someone and then used a sharp instrument with a wire loop at the end to cut parts of the brain apart. The first human lobotomy was done in 1935 by Igaz Moniz, Portuguese. I don't know if that was the right pronunciation, but we'll move on. And he won a Nobel Prize for this work. At the time, they thought people with schizophrenia, depression, and compulsive disorders had fixed circuits in the brain that were wired wrong and overly connected. Therefore, they needed to be physically cut apart. Tens of thousands of lobotomies were done as the procedure was popular, mostly because at the time it felt like there weren't really any other options. The research, again, didn't exist to show its efficacy, and then the rise of psychiatric drugs in the 1950s made lobotomies disappear from popularity. On October 29, 1929, reality finally caught up with the stock market, and what went up came crashing back down. It's now 1938, and people are super depressed, and little do they even know, World War II is about to start. And guess what? We get shock treatment, now referred to as electroconvulsion therapy. Now just bite down on it. That's right. Just bite down. Now bite down on it. It involves attaching electrodes to the skull to send an electrical current through the brain, using electricity to induce seizures. This is certainly a counterintuitive way of treating illness and would sometimes lead to broken bones, temporary memory loss, and cases of death. But the shocking thing is, ECT did work to a degree and relieve symptoms in patients. Reasons why this might be effective is because depression may stem from the brain's regular electrical signals misfiring. So sending a jolt of electricity through the brain to induce seizure might act as a restart. But whether it's effective or not, it has a dark history where in mental hospitals it was used to control difficult patients and maintain order in the ward. Hello, one flew over the cuckoo's nest. Next up, we have deep sleep 
Therapy. It sounds nice, but it is not. It was designed to treat schizophrenia, depression, obesity, and addiction by administering a mixture of barbiturates, which are central nervous system depressants that would put you into a prolonged sleep. The thought was that the sleep would help you unlearn habits and they would give you electric shock therapy while you were in this chemically induced sleep so you wouldn't feel it. And hopefully when you woke up weeks later, your habits would be curbed. Famously in Australia, when this procedure was done between the 1960s and 70s, 26 people actually died. Harry Bailey was the man largely responsible for these procedures and he killed himself while under investigation. Interestingly, the Church of Scientology was a big advocate for these patients, and in a suicide note he wrote, Let it be known that the Scientologists and the forces of madness have won. What the F? But also, like, go Tom Cruise and your Scientologists on this one, but let's not get into that. We should do an episode about Scientology. Writing it down right now. Words from a book showed me the way. We're at the height of the Cold War. First, you duck, and then you cover. And America was becoming increasingly worried about the potential of mind control as a way to weaken an individual and cause them to force confessions. The CIA rolled out Project MKUltra, which was a secret program to test on human subjects how they could control people's minds, often without consent from the patient. Many of these tests were run in Montreal, Canada. De F. Canada by Dr. Ewan Cameron. He used LSD and various paralytic drugs and shock therapy at 30 to 40 times its normal power to experiment on people. These experiments were typically carried out on patients who had entered the Institute for minor problems such as anxiety disorders or postpartum depression and used them as subjects for his secret project. Many suffered permanent debilitation after what was essentially torture. Okay, whoa, so that was a lot. As Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. We said there is a very dark history to psychiatry, and Mitch and I right now are going to get into a debate about talk therapy, which is still controversial, but obviously doesn't seem nearly as physically grotesque as what we just spoke about. Is it effective? Can it change who you are? And is it even a good thing? We disagree, so we'll get into that now. So, Mitch, what are your actual thoughts on therapy? Because I confidently, after going, I'm very much like, everyone, if you can afford it, if you can get through York, you need to go. Whereas you come, you're skep- more yeah, skeptical. Yeah, I think I have, I don't know. Definitely there's been times that I've gone and I've come out with really powerful tools that I know that sounds weird but like like they've given me something concrete like go work on this think about this when you're in moments of high stress or when you're in moments where you're feeling down or whatever and I think that's maybe more of what I need but sometimes I leave and because a therapist isn't necessarily there to give you advice right like they you always say that your therapist just asks you questions and never tells you anything is that true yeah, well yeah that's what I've kind of felt both the ones that I went to like it was mostly them being like a person to listen and I'm like that's not actually really what I want or need I actually want someone to like 
actively participate with me in working through my problems. But you've, you've also said to me that sometimes you go in and you're like, I just talk and talk and talk. I'm like, are you? Well, I don't. Are know you not is... like asking them questions? Are you ever like, what do I do? I yes, but like no, I don't think any other ther- any therapist really will say like this is what you do. Does yours? Yeah, well, they wouldn't say this is what you do, but they'd be like, have you ever thought of doing this? Like, or even if I go, sometimes, or if I ask them a question, they answer the question. With yeah, their I own don't know. Opinion. I guess maybe it's happened sometimes, but yeah, more often than not, I feel uh, maybe I'm uncomfortable with the pauses and I can't tell if they don't have anything to say. So then I just keep talking. Okay, because that's okay. But <laughs> I have never addressed it. Yeah, they, okay. Well, okay. What do you mean you need act? Do you. Sometimes they give you actionable items. Like for me, like, yeah, sometimes they'd like, they do like homework or whatever. But like, for me, it's not, not homework, even. Ne- but like, because, okay, for me, it's usually like stress, anxiety, those things that I like to talk about and how to deal with it in certain moments. Like there's certain types of situations that'll bring it up for me. And in those times, like my therapist has sometimes been like, have, like, let's try and like, you know, be more self-compassionate. Be like, you don't have to try and stop yourself from being anxious, but just understand yeah. the moments it's happening. And then, and think about these things when it's happening. But what about things more than that? What about like, why are you anxious? Or when you leave, do you ever not reflect on what you've talked about? I mean, like, oh, wait, that is why I do that. Like sometimes the breakthroughs or whatever that happen aren't from them being like, okay, so in this moment, do this. It's just, you reflect on your conversation and you're like, oh my God, maybe I am dealing like for me, I have issues. I think with being vulnerable because I say deal with it in my life. And I'm a resilient person because uh, I was also the way I was raised, but also like being a feminine gay kid, I had to learn young. Okay. I'm going to put my wall up. Like I'm going to, mm-hmm. I'm going to not feel anything like those things that we work out together and it's real, it's really deep and it's really helpful. But sometimes I feel like you talk a lot about like surface anxiety issues. And I'm like, are you not talking about why you're anxious or That's your family what I want them or to your kid? It. Like, yeah, maybe I'm just, I need to change therapist, but I feel bad. If so they, they ne- I really like her a lot as okay, a person. You should change therapist. If you, if you actually are again doing what you like honest, her as a person, like, she's I, never I asked you about your parents. You- what she's well, never said yeah, no of course she has but do you not think like oh my god i'm acting this way because my parents i are. guess but i'm just like i've already thought of those things on my own like maybe honestly i don't know if this is narcissistic but i'm just like i sometimes i don't know i'm just like there's not a lot of things that are coming out of this that i haven't oh my god, I'm literally sat like, and through on my own and thought about but i want to like now i'm like feeling like not like i'm but i'm like but you haven't said anything like, and I I'm know, like, because and I'm, I'm feeling like, I'm, I'm not... scared like I don't want to be offensive but if you think about yeah okay you're like oh this I'm like my parents because I'm like this but doesn't it make you want to not be like your parents fully like there's there's things about your parents that are good that you want to keep things about your parents but what you raised that like, are bad that you want more than just about my parents I don't know I think like I think sometimes you project your problems onto other people I do think everyone should try therapy if they have like the the funds to do that but i don't i think sometimes the way you see it is that everyone should do therapy indefinitely and it should work for everyone and i actually don't know if that's true i i don't think it's a bad thing in any way and i don't think anyone should be ashamed of it and if it works for you and you love it i think that's cool but i had that moment recently where i was like i went i've been to two separate ones actually the first time i ever did it we went to like a couples therapist because we were like we're in a working relationship together how do we like not optimize but think about this so i've been to three and i just but had this feeling those like therapy I don't, sessions we would always be those happier. ones were the best because we were working together though it was specifically about finding perspectives of each other how to spend like special time for dates and time apart those kind of things were all actionable that we would then be like cool yeah we're gonna have a sunday fun day that's focused whereas i don't but know But it was more than that like we had conversations where it was like 
Greg is trying to say this, and this is why he's upset. Mitch is trying to say this, and this is why he's yes. upset. And we look at each other, and we're like, oh. Exactly, but that's something you don't, that happens You don't have those people. moments with your therapist, with yourself. Not really. Are you, are you willing to accept that therapy might not be for everyone? I don't know. I'm not sure if I'm willing to accept that because I do think that I think of it like going to the gym for your mind. Like I really feel. But not like, everyone goes to the gym and that doesn't make everyone unhappy. No, sorry. I, I think like if therapy were to be publicly funded, I think that our society and everyone would be able to benefit and make actually every like the world a less violent, more less binary, more balanced, better place. And I think that I do honestly feel like every single person, like my genuine reaction to you saying that is that you have like more work to do to allow yourself to get to the point where you start to think about yourself differently because I don't know. I Maybe feel- that's what I guess my frustration has been in just like wanting someone to take me on that journey a little more, like hold my hand a little more. And maybe I just haven't found that right therapist. That's all. Which is why I can't and fully my disagree with you because you're right. Like, like maybe. Has been like, well, I've gone to two individually and yeah. I've gotten the same result, which is like, yeah. oh, they're awesome. They're great people. They're good at talking to me and or, or like listening to me. But I don't feel like, like sometimes you describe different types of activities your therapist will give to you or like you'll like talk I don't know like you'll talk, talk to a chair my, yeah I'll talk to a chair I'll talk to you as you being in right. the chair and I've I'll never t- done anything remotely close to that in so, therapy. wow okay honestly now I'm like is it just you got bad luck like, maybe or maybe there's different types of therapists and you just happen to find one who has like a, a style and my recent therapist was suggested from my first one who I really liked so like they obviously have a relationship within therapy to know like, yes but also your therapist right now recommended mine yeah, that's also why My I'm like, one. yeah, no, I know. And I just would assume that she I would. just feel bad. Like, if she's listening to this, I'm sorry. Like, I actually really no, like well, you. honestly, <laughs> honestly, my therapist, like, I bet with ASAP Science and stuff, with podcasts, would consciously has told me she will not listen to it. She will not right. go into it. Which I think you're... Th- you're your therapist I've never assuming asked, maybe that ass. she's good <laughs> like that's what I mean like I'm like maybe she's not a good therapist but she's a good therapist she would if she saw you at a podcast she would not listen to it because it would like create yeah that would be weird yeah. I think yeah in any circumstance like yeah. I, I do I honestly I don't know I'm I just agree. like you are you it feels like you talk to me sometimes where you're like you need you're trying to figure yourself out right now and I'm just like therapy should be a part of it but also sometimes it. I'm like I wish you would let me talk to you about that stuff <laughs> Well, that bothers me. What you think that I should have to talk to you and not my therapist about things? No, no, no. I oh. just mean like sometimes I feel like you'll push stuff aside and say like you should go talk to your therapist about that. But I'm like, I, that's not that can't be the answer for everything. The answer for like any issue I'm having can't be go to therapy. Okay, that's fair. But sometimes what I'd say in like in a cognizant way is that. The thing that, for example, might be going on with you is very personal. So I'm going to I'm going to be empathetic. I'm going to love you and I'm going to talk you through it as someone who knows all the players in the game, who know you, who know the people you might be talking about. And I'm going to give you a really well-rounded opinion. And you're going to tell me things because I'm your boyfriend in a certain way. The nice thing about a therapist is that legally they are a stranger you can say anything, the scariest thing. They don't know the people you're talking about. Yeah, no, they won't fair. have this personal opinion. And you can get further with what maybe might be going on. I'm not saying you can't talk to me about those things. But I'm just saying, like, it's some some of the things I think you're dealing with are intense enough that, like, I would value you going, talking to your friends about 
to your family about, to a therapist mm-hmm. about, and me. Because yeah. sometimes I'm just like, it's a lot for me to take on to be like maybe the one person who knows these things, for example. That's all. But I'm like, I would never say you have to. I'm just like, I'm, and you're right, projecting maybe because that's what I do. I'm like, I need support. And you find it works really well, right? Like, uh, you that's learned, all I mean. yeah. I, I, yeah, I want to go back to saying like, I do think therapy is a great asset for a lot of people, especially like men in particular who have been told by society that we shouldn't really talk about and our people feelings. people who have similar reactions, reactions to therapy maybe that you do, like they think it, maybe there's harder time to work for men. Like, I don't know. If Wait, men, I'm like, I was just thinking like m- men maybe aren't as open to therapy and maybe they also when they go don't even enjoy it i don't know. i don't know if that's true i've definitely i know even some straight men on like like my facebook or whatever have <gasps> you know post, straight men i'm just kidding <laughs> you know, have straight men from university oh i don't talk to them anymore but the straight men on my facebook i see them like, this, like that's all <laughs> yeah, you guys like, I literally post. i'm we have tons of, of straight friends so many but i've seen like one in particular it was like every guy needs to go to therapy like he he's always like promoting it and i'm like that's really cool and i would never ever say somebody shouldn't and i for but that do you reason, not feel like weird that I don't know. I'm like, you fall into that. You're a guy. Yes, but I go. I've given oh, it a shot, yeah, right? Like, right. it's, I, it is just like everything works. For, and I'm not saying I should stop. I'm not saying I will stop. And maybe I need, I just like, I'm annoyed that I have to put in more effort to find it. Yeah, because it's maybe. weird. It's like if and I if was. the next one doesn't is the same thing, I'm going to be like, okay, yeah. Like, I, it works sometimes, but maybe I only go when I'm having like a, I don't know, a certain type of issue. No, I agree. Like if it, you do go to a different therapist and it happens again, it's like, I can't relate to that because all I've ever had are experiences where I'm like, wow, this has helped me so much. And that's all I say is like, I used to be so different. I used to be so cold. Like I'm just learning so much about myself. And like, it's all things that are just making me feel more like holistic and happier. And that's, that's why I think it's so important for everyone because I think of myself as having a very fortunate life. I haven't even had very much trauma or anything and I still find it beneficial and I'm just like there's people out there like carrying so much and this actually gets into a separate point which is like my biggest frustration with it which is the socioeconomic issue Mm -hmm. which is rooted in the fact that people there is a stigma against it because they like if it was funded properly the way I think it should be it would be considered like a medical like like a medical disease or I think our society would be better if everyone could get it it's just hard to get Right. Because or people don't value it. Well, I mean, like, like, um, you know, like physical exercise, yeah, having like a personal trainer yeah, is not true. also covered by, by the, the yeah, right? But it's but, not. So, it's so expensive to do therapy. It's crazy. Yeah, I mean, the gym is kind of. I guess yeah. you're right, though. Actually, you could go to the gym for like fifty bucks a month, and there or, probably are cheaper alternatives to therapy. Actually, you're right. That maybe yeah, are the, come equip, from the Planet Fitness of therapy. Because like, yeah, 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 like ten bucks or whatever. Yeah, it seems out of whack sometimes. Where like you should be encouraging people to be mentally healthy so that you are less likely to have to pay for their life when they have mental exactly. breakdowns. Exactly, and mental their, health is has the, an effect on your physical body, That's the one body, thing right? that Trump says is like, oh, if there's ever a shooting, oh, it's a mental health issue. It's like, okay, right. well then hike your invest taxes. Invest into yeah, it. Invest yeah, invest in it, you pinch. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, oh my God, I'm like, I don't want to talk about that. When there is a shooting in the United States, there can be a narrative that mental illness is at the root of these tragedies, in many ways to distract from the topic of gun control. However, an analysis of 235 mass killings found that only 22% of the perpetrators could be considered mentally ill. And a 2016 study estimated that just 4% of violence is associated solely with serious mental illness. A 2015 study found that less than 5% of gun-related killings in the United States between 2001 and 2010 were committed by people diagnosed with a mental illness. However, as we have discussed, you can still benefit from therapy 
even if you are not diagnosed with an illness. And it seems intuitive that discussing anger and homicidal thoughts with a licensed professional could have a positive impact on a person to reduce incidences of violence. But it is a lofty claim to say that mass murders in the U.S. are solely an issue of mental illness. But it is, it's like true, like people, like mental illness kills people. Suicide yeah, sure. is a huge And it kills themselves issue. and it kills other people clearly yeah. in today's it's, world. So then like, why don't we invest in it like medicine? No, you're right. It's a stigma. I, it's a society thing. And maybe as we grow up and, I don't know, mental health becomes more. It's why mental health awareness is so important. A, yeah. And it's such a hot topic right now because I think people are realizing yeah. like, hey, like food, like the gym, like those things that we know are important for us. And we teach kids like, here's how many vegetables you should have. Yeah. How, many, how much water, how much physical activity. Yeah. Here's how much time you should spend. Like being open about your emotions and thinking like i i do agree like even if i just spend time with a friend chatting that is therapy right where you can actually ruminate say things and then hear someone kind of help you interpret them and go like oh i actually never thought of that that way maybe i'm less or more angry about something who knows there's there is such a value in that and it is nice that there's someone that can exist that won't judge you for it that is not entangled in your well, life. Well, they even said, like you said recently, there was a study that found that like longevity in life has to do with having friends, like having a mm-hmm. social network. It's like because you probably are more likely to have better mental health because mm-hmm. it's all about talking, communicating, and we're human. We're Homo sapiens sapiens. We're way too smart. That's our biggest flaw. We've created this thing, but yeah, we're isn't that crazy? We've to gotten think to about. the point. No, exactly, like I think animals, about it all the time. Like like are yeah, we, do other animals eat therapy? <laughs> no, because we. <laughs> That's my point. Like, that's yeah. why I'm telling you. Like, I do think if you think about it scientifically, why not? Because as animals that we've developed, the brains that we have are they're our greatest accomplishment and our biggest weakness. And it's like because but they're what is the too goal? smart. I guess sometimes I get confused, like not to ramble about this too long, but I get confused about the goal of therapy because some is it is it to make you a happier so person? So my my context of it, which is through therapy through therapy has to do with binaries. I think in life, I think balance is extremely important. And if you are too anything, too manic, too too depressed, too right. sad all the time, it's okay to be sad. It's important to be sad. And it's really important to be happy. And it's about if you're binary one way, a lot of my mm-hmm. issues, like I'm not, I'm binary, not vulnerable enough. I My whole life I've been resilient and not allowed myself to be literally touched or to be open with people in order to cope. And now I'm too far on one side and I just need to be brought back more into the middle because every time I've taken a step that way, I have felt genuine happiness. Like I've felt something I've never felt before in my life. Do you ever feel like maybe it's like turning you into something you're not? I know that sounds weird. I don't know. Like sometimes because I, I, there's it's so not. many like amazing artists. Like of course I'm not wanting people to be depressed and sad, but like a lot of that kind of stuff in our culture and our world comes out of people having those like emotions it's not that about it's not that's what i mean it's, it's not about and binary the going to, you are the less likely you are to create art i think I, I i totally disagree it's not about being binary going to the other direction and completely changing yourself it's about being aware that this is who you are but to take step direction and take dir- like steps in this direction is going to maybe make you feel better and have the mental capacity to create. I have been much more creative personally ever since going to therapy because I'm actually being able to look at myself, be vulnerable. I'm like, let's take comedy, for example. Without therapy, there's no way my jokes would be as funny as they are because I'm able to tap into myself right. in like a like new the way. Truth of 
Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, it's like whether if you are a creative, say you're making an, an album or something like that, maybe you're really, really depressed and that's why you're in therapy. But if you go to therapy, you're going to understand that depression. You're going to understand where they're at and you are going to create something better, arguably. But just because you're sad doesn't mean that you're also an amazing artist. So you've, right. Like that's, I think, something that's been like pop cultural, like blowing up because whenever it happens, a like confirmation bias. The trope of the tortured artist persists in our culture, be it Vincent van Gogh, Virginia Woolf, or Robin Williams. But is there any truth to it? One of the earliest studies examining this link was in 1931, where over 800 well-known geniuses at the time were interviewed, and almost everyone had some sort of mental health issue. A 2011 study of 1.2 million patients and their relatives found certain mental illnesses, in particular bipolar disorder, are more common among artists and scientists. And a separate study found that being an author is associated with an increased likelihood of schizophrenia, depression, anxiety, and substance abuse. Still, these studies remain relatively anecdotal, as having a creative profession does not necessarily mean you are creative. And other studies of creative geniuses, such as an analysis of Nobel laureates, found no link. More research is needed to understand if this link is more than just a coincidence. What's the most important thing you've learned from therapy? And then I'll, I'll think of something as well. Yeah, the most important thing that I've learned is that so many of the things that I love about myself and that I've taken for granted and that make me who I am are also maybe part of the reasons why I'm struggling and to like own them and to understand them and to combat them with some other new ways of living are going to make me feel more balanced. And when I'm on my deathbed and I look back on my life are going to help me just be like, I had the best possible life that I could. And I couldn't before therapy realize it. And I know that I was just sad and harsh and feeling like shit. <laughs> So I don't know. That was a weird answer. What about you? What? Did, what I, I mean, what are mine's kind of the same. Like I think to wrap it up into a simple phrase or words is like having self compassion. Like what I learned from therapy was that you're not there to necessarily fix yourself. You're there to like understand yourself and like yeah. learn how to. You know, there's I'm a perfectionist. That's like kind of my thing. That's what I mean. I even the whole on. time. That's what I didn't want to say the whole time. I'm like your your things against therapy are a little bit perfectionist. Maybe, but you're telling me that, that your <laughs> yeah. therapists do very different things than mine. So yeah, I don't no, know. I know. I know. I don't. But know. what I mean is like to understand those moments of perfectionism and just. Yeah or of happiness or sadness or anger and like be able to accept them and not have them weigh so heavily on myself. Of course there's steps to improve them, but like it's not always about being like I have to be better, I have to be better, I have to get, you know, stop doing this, I have to improve on this. It's like Yeah, that's interesting because that's not a I don't yeah, okay. That's but that's like that part of that self-compassion, yeah. like stopping and being like, you know, it's okay. It's okay. You, you messed up. And that's and why like, you've been right. successful in your life. It's created a lot of good things for that's you. That's what I mean. It's yeah. hard for me to sometimes be like, I know my perfectionism is a part of what... But it's also ruining a lot yeah, of your yeah, progress, it, it, like, too. It yeah. also is uh, it's yeah. the thing that I struggle with on a daily yeah. basis. So. Yeah. All right. Well, that wow, was our we little can, chat. Yeah, about, wing, I feel like we could have a lo another full podcast of us just like <laughs> doing therapy talk and like going into our actual problems. If you guys want us to do that, you can let us know. Oh that might God. be a little hard to do on a podcast. <laughs> like, I feel like I feel uncomfortable, but like... Yeah. There are podcasts that do that with people. Yeah. Like, that's amazingly I vulnerable to do Esther that. Perel's on, podcast. Yeah. yeah. Well, um, thank you so much. Oh my God. I feel sweaty. I'm like, oh my God, I'll talk a lot about myself. <laughs> Wasn't 
like I feel like I didn't laugh too much on that one, but I hope no, you guys yeah, took I mean, something away. Funny, but hopefully it was useful. I know I know like we both believe in theory, but I obviously have a slightly different opinion. So let us know. You know, hashtag side note podcast if you want to message us or at Mitchell Moffat at Will Watch Me PLZ on you know Twitter. <laughs> My amazing handle. Yeah. Okay. Love you all. We'll see Peace. you soon. Bye. The biggest names in tennis are coming to Paris for the most anticipated Roland Garros in years. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. Experience three weeks of unparalleled tournament access as the world's top players in tennis face off against each other. Will the veteran champions continue their dominance or will a fresh face emerge to challenge their legacy on the clay courts? Daily live coverage of this epic showdown begins Monday, May 20th. Don't miss a matchup. Stream it now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.